Welcome to The B Word, the podcast for women who want to unlock the clarity needed to put your big girl panties on and rock your real estate career like the true boss you are. I'm Joanne Bolt, your host, and together we'll dive into the things your broker doesn't teach you in order to own your own truth, disown the things getting in your way to finding your place, and stop apologizing for the obstacles you have to overcome along the way. Thanks everyone for joining me today. Um, I have got my friend Claire Brown here with us. Claire was introduced to me by my sponsor um, at EXP, Vlad. And, you know, Vlad says there are these people that come into your life and you just know that they're going to have connections with other people. And so you just have to introduce them. And so he put me in touch with Claire and I don't, I don't really know that I've stopped laughing ever since then. And she's been kind enough to indulge my text messages and everything else when I'm just having super random thoughts um, and she'll, you know, spar back with me. So welcome to Claire Brown. She is an award-winning author of Ringer Fling. She runs a podcast. She's got her own women's group going and she is a top producing agent in Arkansas of all places. So Claire, before we dive into the book, why don't you give everyone just a little bit of background about your real estate production history? Yeah. Since we are, after all, agents. We are realtors, yes. Uh, so I bought my first home when I was 19. Um, I was determined to get out of my parents' house. They did not want me to move away. Um, I had scholarships out of state. None of that was encouraged. So I finally decided, you know, I am going to get out. This is going to happen. So I did. I moved out. I bought a house when I was 19. Um, and then my father is not a well man mentally in a lot, of, a lot of times in his life. And then all of a sudden, I no longer had my tuition account. He had taken it. And so I was then faced with the reality of I need to make a house payment. I need to buy a car. I need to pay for college. I need to find a a way to buy a cell phone. I need to do all this within a week. Um, So I kind of saw this coming based on some of the patterns I'd seen in his world. And so I um, had already gone to real estate school. So I sat for the exam, passed it. And then that week I hung my license within my first week of selling. I sold two homes and one had a bonus and everything that I made within that first month paid for tuition. I bought a car. And by the time I graduated college, I graduated without debt and paid the car off and didn't have any student loans. And I was making more than my professors. So now I've been selling real estate 20 years. I have a small team that works for me, works with me, I should say. Um, And we're all women. Uh, We have a great time together. We have a ton of fun. And um, so it's a a great time. I I got married when I was 20 in that that storm of my life at that time, seeking uh, love and affirmation and affection. And then... By the age of 34, my husband decided he went on a different journey. And so he did. We're still good friends. We're, we all co-parent together. It's wonderful. And I had never dated. We met when I was in high school. And I, I all I knew were answering machines. And uh, caller ID had just come out. Now we had internet and cell phones. And I mean, this was all brand new. Um, and so uh, the dating space was exciting and new to me. And all I knew was to say yes to everything. And I was having a great time. Um, And so I finally started dating someone for about five months. 
Um, we went to Europe together. And the night before I came home, he asked me for a lot of money. Um, and I said no and cut him at the airport. Um, and then I flew home alone. Um, All right. So you had a breakup scene at the airport. Mm-hmm. All right, Tell ladies, me. who wants to hear about that? I do. Tell me more. How did that, like, was it in the Delta Crown room? Was it in the middle of the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Who else breaks up with someone in the airport? And how do you get away from him? I'm assuming y'all were on the same flight. Well, so he was military and he was actually on leave and I was meeting him during his vacation time. So he was set to go to another country, actually. So we were going to be already on separate flights. Mm. So the night before I started questioning some things that just didn't add up. Um, And I did a deep dive into finances and I learned that he had lied to me about quite a few things. And uh, then uh, he, he said, in fact, I'm going to be short next month. Do you mind spotting me about 3000? And I, I mean, my jaw just dropped and I just ignored it and turned around and started packing my bags. <laughs> um, and I mean, literally, and, and then I just went in the other room and I went to bed and I slept on the couch. And I mean, I just, I could not believe what I was hearing and did not speak to him at all till we got to the airport, literally, and then checked my bags in. And then looked at him and said, I want to go get some breakfast. We went and got breakfast. We sat down and I looked at him and I said, I've had some time to process what you asked me last night. He goes, yeah, about that. I shouldn't have done that. I'm real sorry about that. I said, but you did it. And I want to know you're raising children and you're, you're telling them to get a plan together for their lives. And how can you do that when you don't have one for yourself? Ooh, good. And he said, I can't believe you just asked me that. You sound like my dad. I said, oh, so you have other people in your world asking you the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm out. I said, don't contact me again. By the time I get home, everything you've ever given me will be sent back to your house. Don't worry. <laughs> We're done. Claire goes out with style. <laughs> and it was. I mean, my assistant at the time, of course, had access to my home and yeah, she went to my house. By the time I was at the DC airport, she had cleaned everything out and delivered it to his house. Let's talk about the book because, um, again, even as a married woman, I read the book and it had me in stitches laughing half the time about your bluntness and your honesty about, you know, you got married before you could even drink at your own reception mm-hmm. and when it fell apart and how you guys handled it with grace and kudos to you. But tell us how the book came about because I know. For those of you that have not read the book, I know you're going to go and read it. Or my friend just recorded it on Audible, which I've been bugging her about. So it'll drop soon on Audible. If you're like me and you'd rather listen sometimes, it really isn't a book about real estate. You know, it's not going to give you the biggest tips on how to sell the most houses, but it will give you some great life advice that actually I've got a few things here highlighted that I think pertain to all of us, no matter what. So walk us through your decision to become an author. Yeah. So it wasn't a decision. (laughs) (laughs) It found Uh, you. My, my journey is extremely organic in every way, just like how I got into real estate. Um, that is not what I intended to do with my life. I mean, I was going to college to be a teacher. Um, and then I had to find a way to pay for school and it's like, I could have either, you know, worked a corner or sold real estate. And I, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but you know, I sold real estate. So then I mean, you do both of them in three inch hills. Definitely. So then on my way, on my flight home from Europe, 
my writing took off. And like I said, I was writing about you are who you surround yourself with, who is not shaking me loose that says, don't you go over to Europe? Don't you, don't you go on a trip with this man? Who, who do you think he is? And then I started thinking like, well, if I surrounded myself with higher minded people, then they hang around higher minded people. So they could set me up with someone better. <laughs> so I wouldn't be in the situation. And so um, I kept writing. And then when I got home, I called my very first coach and told her about it. And she, she just lost it. She said, Claire, that happened to me. Um, I date, And I never told you, I went to New York with a man that I dated for two years and he asked me for $85,000. Oh, and um, he had an IRS tax lien and said, what are we going to do about it? And she said, we aren't going to do anything, but uh-uh. you go into another hotel tonight. <laughs> yeah. And so she said, tell me what you've written. And I told her and she said, you've written a book. You've already you've already started a book, Claire. You need to make an outline and you need to finish it and you need to you need to publish this because this has happened to too many people. I took that to heart and I kept writing and. Then I had a man that I met online. I implemented a lot of our safety standards from meeting people online, just as realtors do, into my dating world. And I broke my rules. Mm-mm. And I gave a man my home address and allowed him to pick me up because I had I had researched him and everything checked out. Sure, right? he had a Facebook profile, right? That makes him okay. He picked me up at my house. But when he came in, he kissed me and then forced himself on me. Oof, I'm so, so sorry. That event triggered a PTSD reaction from an event in high school, which, you know, as women, there's cases of all of us being um, victims of things of this nature are huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and 99% of them are never reported. So when that happened, it was like, okay, there are too many things happening to me in this, in this dating space. And then now I have a women's platform that I'm leading and it's not for, for no reason. There's huge purpose in this. There's message in this and it's to help save others to not experience what I'm experiencing. I obviously need to heal and I need to learn and there's no better way to do that than through writing. Um, as I did, I kept writing just to see where it would go. And I don't know how to express how words just flowed because I try to write now, which I do, but it's not the same because I wrote the manuscript in only 10 months, which is fast. That is fast. Yeah. Um, And then we were in editing for 15 months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it took forever to edit compared to writing. Um, And so I can't write that fast right now, which is how I know there was so much purpose with the manuscript and there was no, I never sought out and said, I'm going to write a book. It just, just kind of happened. All right. So let's talk about the reality of that, because one of the things we talk a lot about in our women's group is that you can go to any broker and they'll tell you how to do a listing presentation. You can go to any broker because we're broker agnostic here. Um, and, and they'll give you 103 scripts to use for, for sale by owners or expired or, or whatnot. But then there's that other area of real estate that nobody talks about. Nobody tells you how to get through. Nobody really gives you the reality of real estate. But I know that there's a lot of women in our group that have wanted to do more than just put for sale signs in the 
you know, in the yard. Cause once the last for sale sign goes up, like where's our retirement, where's our, you know, passive income. Mm -hmm. What was the reality between when you said with your coach, yep, I'm going to actually write this book, this manuscript in 10 months. Like, how did you know what to do next? How did you get it in front of a publisher editor? I think that's where a lot of us have our own limiting beliefs that Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I'm not, you know, I didn't go to college for as an English major. I can't write a book or I can't start a podcast. All I know how to do is sell a home. And so we naturally start teams because that's what we think we have our expertise in because nobody tells us the rest of what to do. So that's fascinating to me. And I had a, I have a really good friend of mine who's never been my coach, but she's a leadership coach. Um, and she was talking to me about something completely different one time. And she said to me, Claire Brown, you're the most resourceful person I have ever known. If there is something you want to do, I'm fairly certain you know somebody that can do that for you. When she said it, I received it differently. And I wrote it down. And it has always stuck with me. And what was it? Yeah. And so we don't know what we don't know, but we know a who. Ooh, see, there's the mic drop. We know a who. It's always about the who. And so it's like, I don't know anybody in your market or what to do or where to go or where to eat, but I know you. Right. And all I got to do is pick up the phone and say, hey, I got a long layover. Where do I go shopping real quick? <laughs> I've lost my luggage. <laughs> it's real quick. It's real easy, but it's resourceful. And it's, you know what I'm saying? So it's lead generating. In a different way. That's exactly what just went in my head is it's the same scripts we use. Who do you know that I should know? Who do you know that's buying or selling or investing? It's just flipping the switch on the script into getting something that you need out of your people. Think about it. How many posts do you see on Facebook? Hey, who do y'all know? Where do y'all, where do y'all think I should go eat tonight? Where's the good place? You know, hey, who do y'all know that I should know that's a good accountant? Who do y'all know that's a good this? It's the same thing. It's just a matter of who are you missing? Who do you need? And so I started with someone here and I said, hey, who do you know that's a good local edit book editor? or, you know, in editing. And I received, you know, a few people. I interviewed them. I hired a girl, gave her money. She never called me back. Oh, no. Ran in a restaurant a year later. That was fun. And then, so, you know, I mean, so then I realized, okay, ask myself more questions. Wait a minute. Who do I actually know that's published a book? So then I asked that question. So then I could talk to them and say, who did you use? And so then I could call those people. And so that's the other thing I think I've learned the most. It's always ask questions to whomever. And you need to ask them who they know also, because it's not just interviewing them about what they do. It's asking them who they know. Mm. And so it's like when I would talk to editors, I would say, okay, great. Who else do you know in editing? <laughs> I know that's bold. And it's like, if you go on a listing appointment, have you ever had a client say, well, who else would you recommend as a realtor? Probably not. But I would do it. Well, to me, it's no different than sitting at the kitchen table and 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 doing the clothes, you know, like putting the paperwork in front of them. Let's sign this listing agreement. It's bold. You don't walk out the door without the listing because you don't know who, you know, or one of the things I used to ask when I was in production was, who else are you interviewing? 
to take your listing. So you've got to be bold to get what you want in this business. So it's okay to ask the questions. What I did was I sent an email to a best-selling author because I happened to know his college sweetheart. And in the email, I dropped that and said, hey, Annie told me to tell you hi. (laughs) I'm looking for a book editor. I didn't know who's at the top of your list or who you're using these days or who you've used in the past or who did this book and that because he's got like, he's got like 10 best-selling books. It's amazing. He emailed me right back and gave me three and I Mm. interviewed them. And then when I called those people, I found out real quick, they got, they interviewed me and that was different. Those editors wanted sample writings. They wanted excerpts from the chapters that I'd already written. Okay. That was a different caliber. Um, And so it was like, oh, yeah, we're playing at a different level with these and I'm not going to be able to afford them. You know, I started talking myself out of it, you know, and then I was like, listen, I'm a single mom. I'm, you know, I started saying everything except I'm on food stamps, you know, (laughs) I can't afford you. Can you cut me a break? And it was the best experience ever. And yeah, I hired one of his editors. Um, And then she was like, now, listen, I'm not going to be your only editor. I'm only going to be your content editor. And I was like, well, uh, what is that? And she said, yeah, I'm only going to shuffle your content around to make the book flow. But then you're going to need a line editor. And then you're going to need a copyright editor. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I had Googled the book process till, you know, till I couldn't sleep. But I had no idea about the literary world. I had a, um, when I was lead generating, I contacted an agent friend of mine in Manhattan. He was like, oh yeah, the the number one literary agent in the country is a client of mine. I'll put you in touch. Well, so I had a conversation. It was great. I sent an excerpt and everything. And he was like, he was ready to sign me up, but he would take 85% of my profit. So I didn't go that route. And I I still say, is that normal in the book world? Yes. It's like, we're in the wrong business. No kidding. We right? think 6% is sometimes too much to ask for. Yeah, right. So in the, use that in your meetings. Like you think 6% is bad, honey. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Sell a book and I'll take 85. So yeah, it puts a different spin on it. But yeah, so I mean, it was just lead generating just in a different perspective, just with different questions. All right. So let's talk about one of my favorite pieces of the book. Um, it's on page 56 for anyone out there who's actually got the book with them. And this has nothing to actually do per se with the concept of dating, but I think it applies to every single one of us on this call today or listening to this um, podcast episode. It says, when we shift our mindsets and eliminate the word just from our vocabularies, opportunities start to show up. And what Claire was referencing um, when she wrote that was she was really identifying in the world as just a single mom right? And when you took the word just out of your vocabulary, what exploded or happened for you? I had been connected to the CEO of the coaching division of my company because mm-hmm. of the, the growth I was experiencing. And I came back, I was at a, um, I was in a, in a class with a, and the coach was leading it and he wanted me to stand up and share my experience and what I had learned and all these things. And I stood up and I said, here I am at corporate CEO. And I said, I'm just a single mom. And he stopped me. He said, no, you are not. 
you are a power mom. And it hit me. I totally redefined myself. I started writing about that, picked it apart. Why am I doing this? Why am I just anything? And like, then I started recognizing we use the word just to separate so much. Oh, it's, we, it minimizes us. Yeah, we, it does. The word just minimizes everything. Like, oh, it's, it's nothing. It's just this. Oh, it's just that. Don't worry about it. It's just this. I'm just a single mom. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just clear. I'm just this. It's like, no, you're not. That's not it. Remove it and take ownership and sit where you are. And why can't we do that? And do we ever say, this is driving me crazy. Do we ever say like, he's just a man. I mean, so it drives me crazy. And I was doing it to myself, which that means I was putting that onto my children too, is what that means. Yeah. And and everybody else around me, I was minimizing myself so that they would minimize me too. So if I didn't stand into my power, why would anybody else see that in my worth as well? And so that was a huge defining moment for myself so that then I could remove it and stand in the power that I needed to so that everyone else could see the worth that I had. And how powerful is that? Ladies, imagine if all of you took the word just out of your vocabulary. Oh, I'm just doing real estate part-time. I'm just a buyer's agent. I'm just a new agent. Mm -hmm. I'm just number two in my office and not number one. I mean, right. So what if I said, oh, I'm just a mom that sells, you know, millions in real estate, has a podcast, is a published author and, you know, doesn't get, I mean, the only sole income for everything and, you know, does all this. Blah, blah, blah. Hell no. Uh-uh. I mean, no. Girl, if you're a badass, own it. We should all own exactly. it. Exactly. We are taught and programmed to have the only defining purpose is through our vaginas. Literally, we are to grow up, get married, have children and die. And that is it. I swear to God. And so if you are going to minimize that, great. Use the word just. If you're going to minimize something, even in a listing presentation, oh no, that house was, was just this. It's not a comparable. Use it where it's supposed to be used and how it's supposed to be used, but don't use it to diminish who and what you yourself. are. Yeah. Cause it's a powerful word when it's used incorrectly or correctly. And I know that that was early on in the book and you had a lot of other fantastic things, but that's the piece that just, I kept just, haha, I kept coming back to as I read the book. Cause I kept thinking that's the one nugget for every woman that I mentor, coach, talk to work with. If I could get them to take that out of their vocabulary, because we are way more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. And I think a lot of times it's because we're also nervous about what the other women will think. You know, women have a tendency to be catty with each other. Oh, not a tendency. We are. And and I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's growth. I don't know if it's the work I've done, but I just don't give a shit anymore. I mean, it's just like if the woman coming down the street looks at me and she thinks things about me and this and that, that's her own issue. Mm -hmm. Those are her own projections of issues that she has within herself that she needs to resolve. They are not who and what I am. So if someone has things that they say or do about you, you just need to look at them and say, and how does that make you feel? Oh, please all do it in a Southern accent. (laughs) Because darling, that doesn't do anything for me. All right. So 
Was there, when you were writing the book, I know you had a lot of emotional moments, but what was your number one ugly cry moment? You know, the moment, the one where like, we always try, if we're going to cry in public, we try to cry pretty because no one wants to see the mascara, the puffy eyes. But a lot of times when we have really big self-revelations, it's the ugly cry that comes out. And I recognize this by doing the audio, by reading it. Um, I think I called you the one day when you were having an ugly cry. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, you know, and half of the book was cut. Um, So only half of what is in the book is what, what I wrote. A lot of details are missing. And I went through an extremely difficult fertility battle. I know a lot of pain in a lot of different areas as far as being a woman. I know abandonment of family. I know abandonment of a husband. I know cheating of a husband. I know difficulty of infertility. Um, There's so many things. I know pain of rape. I know um, you name it as a woman. I know it. And so it's just like I know my purpose is for women. Um, And so as a little girl, we ask all of our children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so I went back and wrote about that. And all I ever wanted to be as a child was a mother. And even Mm. in my baby books, that's all it says. And so then when I was faced with that hurdle of not being able to having to have a hysterectomy when I was 30, and then having to get divorced and have them taken from me half the time, the quiet and the stillness in my house is, is my other hell. Mm. It is why I stay so busy. And people are like, how do you have time to do all this? Because you can't otherwise. Can't. Claire, thank you for opening up and being vulnerable. That is what this is about. I know everyone probably also appreciates it. I'm going to kind of wrap us up in a few minutes. If anyone, you know, they want to read the book, where can they get the book? Or what's the name of your podcast? Because I know people are going to want to hear some of the funny episodes. Um, I especially loved the ED episode that recently came out. (laughs) That one made me crack up. Um, Because Claire gets real, she gets vulnerable, she gets hilarious in in her podcast, especially. I feel it's best hearing it in her own voice because she does have such a unique way of telling stories. So where can they find you online? So um, the books are sold on Amazon, they're at Barnes and Noble's. Um, dot com. Then the um, the podcast is on everything: Spotify, iHeart, Apple, um, you name it. What's it called? It's Power Women. Power Women. Okay, all one word. So, what's next up for Claire Brown? You've been an author. You're running a podcast. You're still doing real estate. Quickly sum it up. Like, what's next on your your plane? So, I've been trying to write book two, and like I said, it's just not coming. Not coming. Okay, and so. What does keep coming and, and, and then the people that keep coming is a sitcom. Um, and so <laughs> I know. Um, and so uh, to write that is, uh, is bringing me joy. And I tend to focus on what brings me joy. All right. Well, I can't wait to see that one. Who are you going to cast as you? Wouldn't Reese Witherspoon be fun? Right. If she's right. listening, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Joanne here and guess what? We are getting ready to launch our private community for our listening audience. It is a place where you can grab all the snarky comments, all the fun of the membership and meet your new business bestie. So if you want in on the launch and the membership, you want to get it from 
everybody else does. Text the word launch, L-A-U-N-C-H, to my number, 678-736-8055. We will get you on the waiting list.